Maybe in episode nine, Iron Man will be making a special appearance. Episode nine, white genocide. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's going to be that kind of an episode. <laughs> but we have some other cameos as well, too, uh, by the uh, two gentlemen from the Raid films. Uh, they show up in a brief scene, although they don't fight at all, which seems like they're completely wasted. Yeah, that I, I'm, I'm angry about that. <laughs> I hope they show show up. No, they're dead. Yeah, they, I hate like, to break it to you. I they mean, were they, they were killed. When she kisses him on the forehead, I actually heard like some some audible like jeers or like some some other bullshit from the peanut gallery. And I just wanted to I, I didn't want to put this out there, but I just want to say fuck those nerds who did that. They're assholes. So yeah. I'm taking a hard line stance on that. And I don't use nerd as a pejorative usually, but like if you're gonna be a fucking like like prototypical asshole nerd, then you're fucking nerd that way. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. Coming up on today's episode, we will be discussing the newest entry into the Star Wars series, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome in to episode 44 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, and Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan here as well. Hello. Hello. The Force is with us, everyone. Yes. We're a little tired. Yes. We just got back. We did uh, a trip to the movie theater on uh, Thursday evening, the day of the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens, and we have seen the movie, and we are here to give our first reactions. To spoil the shit out of it. I was going to say, (laughs) um, we're going to talk about Star Wars just in general really quickly first, but for anyone uh, listening and... uh, that doesn't want to know what happens in Star Wars The Force Awakens, now would be a good time to stop. As... Please, heed me. Yes. If you have not seen the film yet, turn this off, go see the film, and then listen to this. Yes. If you cannot turn this file off, run outside the room, or throw your computer out. Just get wow. the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. No, I, for sure. You don't want that Iron Man cameo ruined. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Whoops. See, that was your first test, because everything after that will be real. Yes. Well, good. That, that was a good job, Nick, of sort of testing our, our listeners, because we, we'd like to think that they are a little higher quality. But you know what, too? I like to think that Disney's better than that, and I'm really not that sure. So <laughs> yeah. maybe in Episode 9, Iron Man will be making a special appearance. Episode 9, White Genocide. <laughs> Oh my god! It's going to be that kind of an episode. <laughs> we haven't talked at all amongst ourselves about our feelings on the film, so we're very eager to know. I think what everyone else thinks, and also eager to say our feelings on the film. Uh, as at least me, I went out of my way to not know anything about the Force Awakens uh, or anything more than the trailers would have told me, or looking at the cast lists. So uh, I'm ready to talk about it. I know you guys are as well. But first, let's just talk about Star Wars in general. We've mentioned Star Wars uh, multiple times throughout the last year of doing this podcast. 
But I don't think anyone's really gotten a chance to give their true feelings on it. And um, not talking about individual films or uh, characters, really, but just an overall feeling on the series. I think uh, everyone should kind of, uh, you know, go where they stand. I think it's good context before, uh, before you go into a discussion like this. That would seem to make sense. <clears throat> so... I guess I will go first, since uh, I am a huge Star Wars fan. I know Tucson is a fan of this series as well. Yes. And Nick, uh, as you may find out by listening to him talk about Star Wars in general, not quite as big of a fan as uh, me and Tucson. No. Um, when I was probably around nine, nine years old or so, um, that's when the Star Wars originals were released into the theater. And uh, my dad uh, took me to see the uh, the original Star Wars when I was... Uh, uh, you know, in grade school, and I, I really didn't know that much about Star Wars at the time. I knew there was going to be new Star Wars, but I had never, other than on uh, TBS every now and then, uh, seen anything that really involved Star Wars. And uh, going to see A New Hope in the theater was uh, a very um, exciting experience for me and led to me um, being fully taken advantage of by George Lucas, Lucasfilm, and uh, all their marketing. Is had lots of uh, the Star Wars toys, including I had a Darth Vader mask, I had a lightsaber, I have lots of action figures, a lot of the uh, vehicles, whether it be the Millennium Falcon or the, uh, the TIE Fighter, which has always been my favorite uh, of the Star Wars vehicles. Mm. Uh, and I was just hooked pretty much uh, from that point on. Saw the other two when they came in the theater, which is kind of a weird thing. You would think um, these days, uh, being you know, 16, 17 years later, however long it's been since those re-releases came out, that they would like put them out almost all at the same time, where they really uh, did a nice job of spreading them out over a course of time. I don't remember if it was like five months or six months, but it was not like back-to-back. Like They did not come out one all at the one time that you had to go it was like an event. Like you had to wait for the empire strikes back to come back into theaters. And I, I really enjoyed that and I really enjoyed watching them. And then the prequels came out and, uh, I was not as marveled, um, as most people probably weren't, even though I am, um, in the minority that I enjoy the Phantom Menace. Uh, I am actually quite a big fan of revenge of the Sith. And I think attack of the clones is one of the worst films ever made. So that's where I am on Star Wars. Still a big fan. Uh, really love the original trilogy. Empire Strikes Back is in my top 15 all time. It's a terrific film. And A New Hope also is right up there. It's not in my top 50, but it's right on right on the cusp as I think it is a marvelous film. And most of the other ones I think are pretty good as well. So I'll move on to Desant, as I know he has uh, strong feelings on the series as well. Okay. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I feel like as as an avowed science fiction fan that I have to have some type of history with Star Wars, especially is like there, there's two different kinds of like schools of thought. Either you grew up with Star Wars, you grew up with Star Trek, or you kind of grew up with both. Like there are two different sides on the brain of science fiction, so to speak. And I actually grew up with Star Wars. Um, the first time I ever watched Star Wars was when I was maybe six or seven. And I had watched, I had gotten hold of a copy of what I thought was the original Star Wars, A New Hope. It turns out it was actually The Empire Strikes Back. And I already had like the broad strokes of my expectations going into the film because I had already absorbed from like the cultural osmosis of, of what was... It's the, like the Casablanca of sci-fi where it, it, it you've is. already yeah. seen every scene if you, even if you've never seen the movie before. Yeah, exactly. I expected the blowing up of the Death Star. I didn't get that. I expected <laughs> lightsaber fights. Well, there was a lightsaber fight, but it wasn't... 
it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> the lightsaber fight in New Hope is honestly horrible. Yeah, so. it, yeah, it is. It's, it was them just like they they hadn't created a a visual language of, yeah. of choreography to go behind like what a lightsaber fight was supposed to look like. It really just looked like like laser fencing. That's really what it was. Um, and I like so many other kids like grew up like playing the video games. I played like Shadow of the Empire on the N sixty four. I played um Battlefront, the original Battlefront on like PS two and stuff like that. And I own I, I owned a lot of the the different uh action figures for, for Star Wars. I had Luke Skywalker, I had Han Solo, I had um Darth Vader and I would always like when I was a kid like build castles out of like like blocks and just like reenact like different scenes or have my own little scenes and stuff like that. And I feel like um, a point that is not really made that, 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 that frequently when we talk about the films like this is the commercial history of star Wars. I know that it's kind of like come up as of late, but I don't think people understand how deeply ingrained consumerism is a part of star Wars. So much to the point that Nick, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. I know that you're not a I know that you're not a Star Wars person, but what are the name of the teddy bear creatures from Return of the Jedi? Wookiees. Wookie. Wookiees. What? No, no, no. What are they? Hold on. What's I, you were like staring at me? I was under a lot of pressure. I'm sorry. So I just disproved your point, by the way. Okay, <laughs> um, Alex. What are the name of the teddy bear? Ewoks. Creatures? Ewoks. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was like a WOK thing. Within yeah, we just lost a lot of listeners. No, that's fine. That's, that, that, that's that's fine. That's fine. It's like the name Ewoks never even occurs within Return of the Jedi at all. Not once. In fact, their entire naming comes from the action figures that were sold from them. That's the whole reason why we even know what the name of that race is. It's like they're they're inextricable from one another. So I felt like that's an important note that I wanted to make. But other than that tangent, I just wanted to talk about like Star Wars is obviously like something that I have a great affinity for and a great respect for as as a sci-fi franchise. Can I really quick interject to you? Talk, you're talking about the, the action figures, which I had mentioned were a big part of my yeah. bringing with Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, I remember going to a, a KB toy store, which oh, since, I remember those. since those are uh, long gone. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far yeah. away. Bought my first Nintendo from there. Yeah. Hey, anyway. I, I'm sure a lot of people bought a lot of first things from there, and unfortunately those are a thing of the past. Um, I went to a, a KB Toys, and I believe it was the, the third one I had made an attempt to go to because uh, I really wanted uh, the Darth Maul action figure mm-hmm. when the Phantom Menace came out. And they had one in the back, which was always like the greatest thing ever when you were trying to purchase uh, things, whether it be for Star Wars or any other toy or game or anything. Yeah. You always asked, hey, do you have any of these in the back? And the answer was always, nah, we had all our stock out or some shit like that. Mm. They had a Darth Maul action figure in the back. I was so excited. I gave them my $7 or whatever it was to buy it. I just remember being so excited that I could take that home and have his double-edged lightsaber mm-hmm. so he can fight with the original Stormtroopers and Darth Vader and all that, that shit. That was the shit back in the day. As soon as you saw that double lightsaber light up, you were like, oh, yeah. my God. Like, I wanted a... You know how they had those, like, vinyl backpacks where they would, like, screen print, like, one of the characters yeah. from it? I, want, I really wanted a Darth Maul one, and my mom would not let me have one. And in hindsight, I understand why she did not want me to have one. But, man, that would have been so fucking metal. Dude, Darth Maul was the coolest uncool character <laughs> The, in the Star coolest, Wars. most satanic-looking Star Wars character. That had no bearing on any sort of... Im- 
any sort of event nope. in Star Wars. Barely other even than, had a sentence. I he. I don't even recall anything he says. I remember he has one small line of dialogue. It's like and the Jedi it. will be destroyed. Yeah. And that's it. And then he floats down into the tube and falls apart. And there's lots of falling down into tubes of people in Star Wars. That's yeah. something. Yep. Yeah. All right, Nick. Uh, we've we've had a little <laughs> bit of nerd moment here. And that's totally fine with this series, I think. But let's yeah. move on to you and uh, hear your thoughts is that you are have a different outlook and remembrance of Star Wars. Well, if it wasn't clear as of like three minutes ago when Tussar quizzed me on the spot, <laughs> uh, Star Wars is not a language that I speak natively, so to speak. It's, yeah. it's Even though I did grow up with it, it's not like it's uh, like an example of a counterpoint to that mentality is like, I didn't grow up with The Simpsons, and I'm not the biggest Simpsons fan, but this is not the case with Star Wars. I grew up watching Star Wars at the age of, you know, six or whatever. I was first introduced to it via the VHS trilogy that came out when it was packaged together Mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, Vader on one, a Stormtrooper on another, and Yoda on another, I think. That's actually pretty... Pretty sharp that you just remembered that. Yeah. I, I remember physical media because yeah. that's my bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know which was on which? Uh, okay, film? wait. I bet I can't answer this. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. I might do an out of order, but I know Yoda was on Return of the Jedi. Yes. I know Vader was on, I want to say, hold on. Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Yeah, I was, was going to say, okay. come on, that should be the easiest well, one. Well, you know, I messed up the other easy question <laughs> yeah. three minutes ago. So, uh, yeah, we'll so I, I did remember it. Yeah. Way to go. Because uh, I remember I got it for Christmas, and I feel like I hadn't even... No, I, I did. I feel like I had seen Star Wars before. I don't even know when the first time I watched Star Wars, because I think I was so young, you know. But I remember getting the, the trilogy on VHS. And so here's here's my relationship with Star Wars in a nutshell. Uh, eventually I sold those VHSs and not because I replaced them with DVDs, but because I thought at the moment that I had outgrown them, so to speak. And mm. that, you know, I watched them when I was a child, I'd seen them quite a few times. I was like, I don't really like these anymore or whatever. So I sold them. Then like, I want to say three years later, they released the trilogy on DVD together. Of course, you know, tinkered with by George Lucas and whatnot, but they were once again packaged together. And then I got like an itch and... <laughs> I asked for it for Christmas again. I asked for the DVD trilogy of the original. Uh, and I want to say it was right before, right after the prequels had come out. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I got those for Christmas. I remember rewatching them right after Christmas. And then I sold them again like a year hmm. later. Like, And now I own the Blu-rays. <laughs> so I have bought it like three – or I've gotten it, I should say, three different times. And for me – I, I'm not a Star Wars fan. There's, it's, it's not so much that I don't hate it or anything like that, but it's all Star Wars is to me is like an itch I want to scratch every so often. And uh, just to put even further context, before tonight, the only Star Wars film I've ever seen in a theater was Attack of the Clone. So, Ooh. you know, I, it's this has never been... Uh, I have thoughts on, of course, each individual film and all that kind of stuff, but this is not my kind of movie, so to speak. Okay. And... Um, I, I, I do take enjoyment in the first two, uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, but the other four I have, like, almost no desire to rewatch. Even though, this is a really brief fun fact, my favorite scene is of the entire f- franchise is in Return of the Jedi, which is the speed bike scene. Because that was probably the best use of, like, practical effects and, like, uh, you know, the, the background of, C- not CGI, but you know what I mean, like, uh, the basically the antithesis of what the prequels are because yeah. it was like a good marriage of like you know stuff. Anyway, uh, that's my relationship with with Star Wars, which is I really don't have one other than like when the world gets 
back into Star Wars again, and so do I as far as, like, I'll, I'll rewatch them, although I didn't muster up that strength this time. But that was because you, Alex, had kind of... We had watched the trilogy oh, yeah. uh, earlier this year, so I had seen them recently. I just, you know, didn't feel the need to rewatch them again just because they were coming out. And that's totally fine. I uh, I sat down and watched three of the, uh, the six, and uh, Attack of the Clones was not one of them. <laughs> Uh, and I also didn't watch uh, Phantom Menace or Return of the Jedi, but um, yeah, I I feel like these six original films uh, and uh, the three originals and the prequels, um, they all have their time and place. Whether you like the prequels or not, um, I I think you can sit and enjoy watching some parts of them and and get something out of it, especially Revenge of the Sith, but. I think that's a discussion for another day, as uh, we've all given our feelings. And now let's move on to the to the elephant in the room, which is Star Wars: The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. which was directed by J.J. Abrams, who which was a um, I think a very interesting choice, and also at the same time um, kind of a uh, kind of a ballsy move, as he is just coming off doing the two Star Trek films. And since this is not necessarily in competition with that, a very interesting move to go with the. Uh, director who just did Star Trek and bringing him in to do Star Wars. Well, for Wars. me, that's why I don't think of it as either ballsy or interesting. I, I feel like it was like you, he, Star Trek was his audition. Star yeah. Trek was already skewing more. I, I, I alluded to this before where Star Trek and Star Wars exist on two opposite sides of the spectrum of like sci-fi fandom, but I feel like the contemporary like Star Trek films more skew towards the action side and more towards the the middle the middle left-leaning part of Star Wars. Yeah. They're more swashbuckling, I think. I'd agree. Yeah. Well, but but that being said, there still is that weird divide between Star Trek and Star Wars, and this not doesn't bring them together or anything like that, but I still find it fascinating World that J.J. Abrams... Yeah. Yeah. J.J. Abrams directs this, and um, he jumps on, does this one, and immediately jumps off and hands off to Ryan Johnson, who will be in uh, involved with uh, Episode Eight. This film stars uh, a new trio uh, as Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and Oscar Isaac uh, show up to play the three main characters, although some of them have more importance to this film than others. Uh, Dom Hall Gleason, Adam Driver, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. They're very good. Thank you. Uh, Nyong'o, Andy Serkis, and Max von Slido also show up along with Gwendolyn Christie. Sort, oh, that's who it sort was. Of. In the beginning, Max... Uh, ben Slido. Yeah, yeah, I just... Uh, I knew I knew him, and yet for some weird reason... Even though it's not like he looked different, mm-hmm. I just did yeah. not know he was going to be in the movie, so I couldn't place who he was. Anyway. I assume that opening scene will be more important at some point later in I the I would films. assume so. Yeah. That was not the film I watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just for it being the opening scene. Yeah. You know? anyway. I, I think there will be some sort of backtrack to that, but we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. And then we get uh, the original characters as well as uh, Harrison Ford, Spoilers. Carrie Fisher, and a, even Mark Hamill makes an appearance late in the film as well, along with uh, Anthony Daniels returning as C-3PO. Uh, and I don't know if, uh, I don't think Kenny Baker is still alive. Is he playing R2-D2? I honestly don't know. He's not on the cast list, so... Uh, and we get some other nice little cameos. Who by, played BB-8? Yeah, who played him? I don't think anybody, man. I hate was it a gerbil? Man. 
<laughs> that's that that's interesting. That's a a point of view. Mm. <laughs> um but we have some other cameos as well too uh by the uh, two gentlemen from the raid films. Uh, they show up in a brief scene although they don't fight at all, which seems like they're completely wasted. Yeah, that I, I'm, I'm angry about that. <laughs> I hope they show show up. No, they're dead. Yeah, I they, hate like, to break it to you. I mean, they were they, they were killed. It was oh. pretty much like we need feet food for the monster, so let's cast the two raid guys. Yeah, that yeah. was interesting. Yeah. And uh, Warwick Davis also uh, from the uh, original played an Ewok in the original uh, Return of the Jedi. Also was uh, playing many characters in the Harry Potter series. Uh, he shows up as a minor role as well, and also uh, another cameo from a character. Wait, he who's... played many characters in Harry Potter. Yeah, he played like five different characters. In I mean, Harry I know Potter. he was Professor Flitwick, but. Yeah. He played. Uh, I just didn't know this. I yeah, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> no. He played Grip Hook. Uh, let's see. Oh, like at Gringotts. Mm-hmm. And, okay, I guess now I'm starting to like. Obviously, Professor Foot was the only time when he was like yeah. on screen with no real like. And he played a couple other minor characters oh, okay. as well. I never knew that. Well, Look, I, I learned something new every day. I was going to say, and new new things happening here on this uh, show. Look at that. Maybe we'll talk more about Harry Potter <laughs> in another episode. Yeah. Uh, this film, The Force Awakens, takes place 30 years after the defeat of the Galactic Empire as a new threat rises. The First Order attempts to rule the galaxy, and only a ragtag group of heroes can stop them, along with help from the Resistance. Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. Nothing will stand in our way. What you started. There are stories about what happened. It's true. All of it. The dark side. Jedi. They're real. The Force. It's calling to you. Before we get into any opinions or anything, can I just say one thing? Yeah. Which is, can we all agree that this has the greatest start to the crawl, oh, to the crawl credits Can we ever? talk about what I did? Because 
I'm just really quick that, but the like the fact that the first line of exposition in the famous you know crawl uh, exposition credit whatever is Luke Skywalker has disappeared. And I <laughs> no, just, no, Luke Skywalker has vanished. I lost my shit in the yeah. theater. Yeah, I, I was I, like, I just, he's dead. Like, well, no, I was just like, oh, okay, we're getting that out of the way. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I just, I just thought. Where that was is he in the trailers, man? Yeah. yeah well. Anyway, I just, I just thought that was delightful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I smirked and chuckled at that as yeah. well, and I thought that was a really nice start to yeah. the, uh, the episode. And if you don't mind, I will tee us off and, and start first uh, with Go for it, my man. thoughts on the Force Awakens. And my overall thought is this was a really good film, but it was not great. Yeah. Um. I, I feel like. There's only so much you can do when you try to stay within the same constraints of the previous Star Wars films, and this tries really to do nothing new, which is totally fine, but I think that limits it into becoming a great film like A New Hope or The Empire Strikes Back. What those films had going for it is you had a completely new universe, which had new characters that people grew to really love, Uh, and this film, The Force Awakens, is bringing back some of those characters and some to greater extents than others, as Han Solo is basically a main player in this film, while Leia and definitely Luke Skywalker are sidelined, very much so. And there's really just nothing new here. It, we, we even see the characters are basically all related to the original characters in one way <laughs> or another. There's a lot of incest in Star Wars. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about Luke and Leia. Hoyo! <laughs> and, um... I feel like another part of this film, too, is that um, it was had a lot of great one-liners and great small lines that I thought were both poignant and also sometimes very funny. Uh, Nick, I know you definitely laughed. You, I did. I, I, I even caught a couple belly laughs coming out of you. I was not. Well, because, I mean, if it, when you compare these to the prequels, which are... I think mopey. it's so ridiculously mopey. And it's its own kind of humor in that it's a humor, it's at, humor. At, the, at the expense of that film. Well, and I will say that the, the, the humor and sort of the tone that was set in this film is the one thing that separates it from the original yes. Star Wars films. Is this that From the original or from the original from the prequels? I think it feels different than the original films because I feel like the original films were a little more campy than this. Where yeah. I feel like this is a little, a little more straightforward but also a, a little tighter and a little more... Um, sarcastic in a different way than oh, the I, original film. I were. absolutely, I absolutely agree. The fact that it's it's a different kind of humor because I, but I think that bringing humor back made it feel like the old Star Wars Agreed. again. Yeah, no, and um, so yeah, no, I, I'll fully admit right now that I definitely found the humor uh, not at all forced, or if forced, it still worked, or you know, like it and was they, forced. The, the nice <laughs> thing is, is that this film. Uh, at times did not take itself too seriously yes. and at other times did which is totally fine because that's really what the original Star Wars were all about yeah. um, and I think one of the funniest scenes uh, uh, funniest moments of any Star Wars film in fact it may be the funniest yeah. is when um, Finn gives a thumbs up to BB-8 <laughs> and it sticks out like a lighter almost to give yeah. a thumbs up back Yeah, and that was just BB-8 great BB-8 is that the best great. wingman ever <laughs> he, the, between that and between uh, Han Solo's like Dumbstruck. Yes. Uh, that's not that's, how the force yes. works. Like that's those were the, the two, works. especially that moment for me. That was probably my favorite moment, or yeah. maybe favorite comedic moment of the movie, simply because that was both a very funny line, like great delivery by Harrison Ford, uh, mm-hmm. but also it was almost like a wonderful lamp shading of like 
sometimes in my opinion i don't know if others agree but the inconsistency of like how these people like act or not act but use the force and i just like that at least one character like just fucking stated out right well like, oh, it doesn't work like that the, the force is something that i i will get into a, a little bit later uh, yeah. after everyone's had a chance to kind of give their overall feelings because i think there is something interesting at play here that in the second and third film of this could separate this even more from the original films and actually bring something new but in this one i don't think anything was really done to show that it was different from the original Star Wars yeah. films. Uh, we have these characters who are all related to each other in some way, shape, or form. Even though Rey isn't really sad that she is, it, I feel like it's pretty clear to me that she's some way related to the whole Skywalker crew, but maybe not. Oh, uh, we're already theorizing. Well, I feel like it's kind of hard not to after the way Didn't the film played gotcha, out. Bitch. Uh, they do. I fully admit it. I uh, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I, th- I can't put this up there with The New Hope or with Empire Strikes Back because it just was not doing anything that groundbreaking. Would you? S- uh, with the exception oh, of yeah. one scene, which um, for me was one of the most powerful scenes in any of the Star Wars films. And that is where Kylo Ren, who is announced as uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia's daughter. General Leia. Daughter. I'm sorry. Son. We watched a different movie. (laughs) That's going to be the big shocker that he's actually a girl. You watched the Data's girl, didn't you? (laughs) Um, And one of the coldest and darkest things in uh, the entire Star Wars. And in fact, I think probably the coldest thing in the entire Star Wars series when in cold blood he murders his father Han Solo with uh, the awesome red lightsaber and Han Solo falls down. As I mentioned before, a lot of people (laughs) falling down these tunnels Mm -hmm. and you know, I I feel like, well, Hey, that was a lot better than any of that (laughs) shit. Let me tell you what. Um, And in terms of me saying that, I think that was one of my favorite moments of the star Wars series. um, I think the reason why is because, not only was it a very cynical moment, I feel like it was a lot darker than anything that any, happened in any of the prequels. I mean, when Anakin kills all the children, it's really off screen and it's just bizarre. So it's hard to really latch on he to... He killed younglings! No, he killed children. Let's pronounce it. Let's say yeah. it out loud. Darth I'll Vader say, kills children. Yeah. But here we get a very up-close view with it. And I think the, the thing that brings it home for me is not only do they kill off a main character, which is something that I hold near and dear to my heart as a a series making a choice on characters and this one going through with it. But Han Solo does not use the Force. He is not a Jedi. He is not going to be coming back as a spirit. He is now dead. Yeah. And he just fell to his death, and he is now gone. And... I think that just was... wait till episode eight when all of a sudden there's a scene where it cuts to the Millennium Falcon saving him and just like, hey guys, I landed on this. I hope, really, really hope not. Because I think that... Just kidding. That was one of uh, the most well-done scenes in any Star Wars film. And it served its purpose for me and it brought me from really... I was just enjoying the film and when that scene occurred then I absolutely was all the way on board and you know maybe after seeing it a couple times I'll really really end up loving this film but I I really did like it and I thought this was a really really good film yeah. and um I'm very happy that Star Wars is back and finally has someone doing something with it that is at least giving the fans what they enjoy seeing and is actually showing them something that they can enjoy and uh this also didn't feel like two hours and 15 minutes to me. I feel like this flew right by, and um, I have other things I can nitpick about it, and I will get to that, but I will pass it off as I have 
gobbled up lots of time here. Hey. And uh, Toussaint, I gobble, will gobble. Yeah, I'll pass the baton <laughs> off to you. And I'm really interested to hear what your thoughts are on uh, The Force Awakens. All right. Um, I'm very interested to vocalize my thoughts on okay. The Force Awakens because I don't think I've really said anything. Let's, I'm, let's I'm, do it. I'm still trying to compose it for myself, but I'm just going to like just let it out. Just throw it all out there, I'll man. compose. Okay. So when I first saw the the trailer for The Force Awakens, I knew that it that JJ got something right and got something so crucial that was within the, the original trilogy but lacked in the prequels. And I'm not just talking about actual scenes. I'm not talking about practical special effects. I'm talking about scale. When that trailer opens up and you see Ray Speeder just like a pinprick that's just like traveling across the Jakku like desert and you see a a, a downed like Star Destroyer in the background, like that's that's what Star Wars is to me. It's something that's that's larger than life. It's it's a it's a call to adventure. It's that that's what Star Wars is, and he got that. Like I feel like in this film, he got that. Like I have to say that still, my favorite scene in this film is when she's driving past that Star Destroyer when she is exiting out of the the um the exhaust pipes of that Star Destroyer and she's just like trying to drink some water out of a canteen and then it pans back to this giant gaping hole. Like, and she's just a little pinprick like against that Jakku like thing. I want to make that my background. <laughs> like that's, that's one of the most epic scenes to me in a, in a series of epic scenes in this, in this film. Like I thought that, and, and that pretty much is the one thing that I go to as the strongest point that I left out of the film and yet, while watching the film, like there are these beats, and I and I really enjoyed seeing these characters move through them. I I really enjoyed Ray's development. I really enjoyed Finn's development. I didn't really get a lot out of Poe because Poe wasn't really in the all, film. He wasn't really all that in the film. It was great seeing Han Solo again. It was great seeing Chewbacca. BB-8. You know, it's BB-8 is is the, the shit. is the Groot is the baby Groot of this of this film. And I know that sounds so backwards to refer to another sci-fi property as as a derivative of of as Star Wars as a derivative of another sci-fi property, but that's what it felt like. It felt like another breakout character BB-8 in that vein. is a droid for a new generation. Yes, it is a droid for a new generation and this is a film for a new generation and I when I'm watching this film, I feel like all of these story beats, I've seen them before. Mm-hmm. I've seen them in the original trilogy. I've seen I, I, I've seen uh, Ray elude the star, the stormtroopers by climbing on the side of something because I've seen Ben Kenobi climbing on the side of a of a reactor and trying to power it down and just like sidling across of it. I feel like I have seen I, I I've seen Han Solo die. Before, because I've seen Ben Kenobi die this way. I've seen. Oh well, I, we're gonna have to disagree on that. I'm, no, no, no. But, <laughs> but Ben Kenobi's death was much different than I feel, Han Solo's I feel, death. I feel like it's um, it's the same. I'm with it's, Tussaud it's in the, the sense It's that. the same context though, because it's, yeah. it's these it's these young. You have a mentor, the mentor figure, figure get killed off by the dark, you know, person. By the dark. While figure. the two new generation okay. look on horrified. I'm just saying, like, it's I, such an intentional homage that yeah. it's it it starts to 
for me cheapened the moment a little bit. I'm not saying it like it was like a failure, but yeah, I was like I, I totally agree with you on the the context of the original like death of Ben Kenobi, how he just evaporates and it's 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 really yeah. cheesy, but it's also really iconic. Yeah, and I feel like I've seen these story beats before, only they're re reiterated in a different fashion. It's like seeing the same type of play only by different characters in a different sequence, and I can see transparently like the motivation behind why these are incorporated in the film. When Finn is running away with Rey with Ray from the, the 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 first order who are firing on the Jakku like field or whatever, right? And he's holding her hand and, and Ray keeps on saying, Don't hold my hand and it's like that's supposed to reinforce Ray as a strong, independent female character who is really the one who's taking the lead of this film. She is the lead character of this film. Like, I, I, I enjoyed that. I love that. But at the same time, like, I felt like I was feeling a, a shadow of what I felt so many years before when I watched the original films. And it's not a, a it, it's not a knock against this film. I feel like this really is a film for another generation. This is a film that, that is supposed to allow them to have the same feeling that I had when I first saw Empire Strikes Back and I first saw A New Hope. Like I, I alluded to this when we were doing our our Crimson Peak episode with Sam. Okay. And I made the joke that I says like maybe maybe Star Wars didn't change. Maybe I changed. Maybe that's it. And I and I and I look back on that and I think, yeah, that's how I feel about this film. Like this is this film is not for me. This film hmm. this film is is this this film is as much for it's 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 as much for for people who are fans of the original trilogy, but really it's for the new fans. It's for the the six year olds, the six year old Tucson's, the 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 seven year old like Alex's and the and and the the eight year old like Nick's who are going to be going to that theater what, and like like enjoying that stuff. What I like about what you're saying is I'm I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Yeah. Is is pretty much my thoughts have been that this first film was going to be. The transition from the original cast yeah. into the new yeah. generation of Star Wars. Yeah, but something that I, I absolutely just loved about about this film is that it it you know it made a choice about a character, but it did not push something along too long. We've seen with a lot of other franchises where they've forced characters to continue on, whether it be Arnold with Terminator. Mm. Or, or a number of other, the Rocky films, even even if they're good with mm. Sylvester Stallone, he just continues to push on, and he's just getting older and older. Creed with the best Rocky film yet. Okay, and that, that's okay, but I'm just saying... But that's also because it does the same trick that this one is doing, which well, is it what, starts a new chapter in somebody else's life. Well, that's kind of where I was going with this, is that we've moved on now from Han Solo. He is... He is can be remembered as a pivotal member of episodes four, five, and six, but he will not be a pivotal member, at least on screen, mm. of the new three films. And I think that is a major transition for this. And also, I feel like it is a great move for um, Disney, for Lucasfilm, for Star Wars in general, because they are doing what what franchises have such a hard time doing and that is moving on to a different story. Yeah. And I in for for anyone who's a fan of Star Wars, we all know like the the tumultuous relationship that Harrison Ford has to a lot of his like 
preceding roles, such as like in in Blade Runner as Rick Deckard or as as Han Solo in this. Like originally, he wanted to be kill, killed off during the original trilogy, and I feel like this is the finally the culmination of that desire. And so I don't feel like I'm I'm saying goodbye to an old friend in a way, but I feel like this was this was already. This was already spelled out on your face as soon as I saw you come on the screen. That, that's yeah. sort of how it was. Yeah. And another, or like, even just the scene itself. I mean, that's one of the most telegraphed franchise deaths I've ever seen. From the moment he walks on the catwalk, I just, yeah, yeah. I feel like everybody in that theater we knows know. exactly what's going to happen. By which is both a powerful statement to make, and yet also I don't know if it's the right choice. But that's how I get. There was no that. outcry. There, there, there was no like nose or anything like that. Everybody, <laughs> no. everybody was just like silent and ex- and I guess well, we also, shocked or accepting of that. We also probably should mention that uh, I was at least somewhat surprised that we were in a half-empty movie theater when yep. we saw this. Yeah, um, the we we did not see the first showing, which was probably very much sold out and packed in as there were, I think, 11 showings of this at the theater we went to. So maybe having that spread out sort of gave us a, a chance to not be with the biggest group of the really crazy Star Wars hey, fans. Hey, we were standing next to some pretty hardcore Star Wars fans. Well, oh. they were hardcore, all right. I don't know if they're hardcore about Star Wars or about First of all, I may not give a but... fuck about Star Wars, but I give a fuck about line principles. And let me tell you, <laughs> when you don't let somebody cut even though they're not even the same theater as you, but then you let five other people cut because they're your friends. Uh, well, let's just say... Low class. Yeah. Low class. We'll, but, get, we'll but, get more into the Han Solo thing because I, I feel like I want to talk about that a little more because I... But, Tucson, go ahead and finish up your thoughts just, real quick. Just, just wrapping it up, like there's another scene that I really enjoyed out of this, um, which was... Um, well, well, two my favorite character, my two favorite characters in this film were Ray okay. and Lupita Nyong'o's uh, character. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was Maz Kanata or something like that. Yeah, and George, she- that's how you do a character who is not a human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I, 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 I have an. Aff- Wait a minute. Are you saying something against Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> I have an affinity for um, matriarchal. Um, mentor figures in in film i i really i really do like the oracle from the matrix is one of my favorite characters of all time and i really enjoyed lupita in that sort of role and i just enjoyed her like beady eyes and like how she had to like magnify them with her glasses and stuff and the scene that i really enjoyed involving her was what i want to call like again like echoing from from stuff from the original trilogy this was really ray's trial of the cave you know what I'm talking about? When, yeah, absolutely. When when she like wanders off the beaten path and she goes to and she discovers what turns out to be Luke's old like lightsaber. Yeah, why is that there? We'll find out another. Oh, time. that's right. I forgot about that line. Yeah, we'll find. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. Well, at least I had that line. I, it'll it'll I probably it won't be explained in a film. It'll probably be explained in the extended universe that Disney will be creating. I, right. I, I I I bet you dollars to donuts that will happen Gotta that way. Go see Rogue One. Yep. Yep. Um, but then she goes for her whole vision thing where it's just like collapsing and she faces off with, um, a, a dream apparition of, of Kylo Ren and she sees, and it jumps back between this, um, this memory of Luke putting his hand on, on R2-D2 that we, we've all seen in the trailers and we did It was one of the first images you ever see in the trailers. It was, yeah. And, and that's another thing, even, even Luke's, uh, voiceover in that. In, in that trailer is not present at all. Luke doesn't in, have a line. He doesn't have a line at all. Movie. Yeah. That's a, that's one weird thing. 
about about that. Like, did anybody else think that the the, that end, a, the ending shot lingered a little bit too long? It felt like it it turned from a really epic like jump off point to okay, now they're sort of panning around like it's a sting in the police music video. It was a very important scene because one of the most iconic images from the Star Wars series is Darth Vader reaching out Mm -hmm. to his son, which is Luke, and trying to pull him in Mm -hmm. and take him to the dark side of the Force, where now we have Rey, who is offering something. She's trying to give something to Luke. And I think Luke is in a much different place than when we left him in Return of the Jedi. He is, although I would argue for me that... Because we get absolutely no Luke, that scene does not land profoundly for me. Because I'm like, I, it, it, did he go mute? I, what is he doing? Just know. standing there. Just because like, I don't understand what place he's in, so therefore I don't understand well, and, why and, he's being silent and, other than for dramatic effect. I had mentioned earlier that I, I, wanted, I want to get to something that is more about the Force in general. And I'll, I'll get to that after, Nick, you give your initial thoughts of The Force Awakens. Oh, should I go now? If you, if you, unless you had anything more you wanted to add just, to that. Just one more thing I, okay. want, okay. I wanted Let's to add to that, that ending scene and just like my sum up my, my impression of that film in just one sentence. Okay. And it's just like when, when Luke and Rey are looking at one another, I can see like the expression that's changing on Rey's face. And... You you harken back to that that one scene where she's being interrogated or being mind mind interrogated by by Kylo Ren. She's like, "You're searching for something, a family, a home," and I feel like that's really what she's searching for. Whether or not like Luke has any relation to Rey at all, all she wants is a sense of belonging. All she wants is a sense of home. And I feel like she's trying to find her aunt and uncle. If she can't if she can't find her aunt and uncle, if she can't find her father and her mother, at least she can find something akin to a mentor in, in Luke. I think that that's, that's, that that's kind of the powerful impression that I got from that. And so just to sum up how I felt about the force awakens, I felt like it was, it was a good film. It was not a great film. It is not a film that was made for me. Okay. So very good. All right, Nick, the nerds have nerded it up here all the way, and you can now give your opinion on The Force Awakens. Well, let's see. I I pretty much, and my general thoughts have already all been said here, which is that uh, specifically what Toussaint was alluding to earlier, so I'm going to say the exact same thing that Toussaint said, but with a different analogy. While I was watching this film, uh, one thing started to distract me, which was the, the score. Now, it's John Williams uh, returning uh, to do the score because that's the, the original trilogy is one of the greatest film scores of all time. Uh, but there were moments in this movie when I would hear the John Williams score, and it was like I was getting distracted because of the fact that it was like the same music, but like the notes were in a different sequence. Because all of a sudden I was like thinking like, oh, this is gonna kick into the the theme from you know whatever. I, I have no idea what they're called or whatever, but like that that famous piece of music that we've heard at that point or whatever. But then like it didn't do that and. It went in a different direction, and I feel like that's, for me, like the exact metaphor for this movie, which is it's this movie plays the exact same notes. It just plays it in a different order than any of the uh, – especially A New Hope. I mean this uh, – That could be considered like a metaphor for the film itself. Right. That's what I just said. Hmm. That it was a – no, I'm just saying like that yeah, it's yeah. a metaphor for the film itself. Um, uh, so – so, uh, for example, like what you had brought up earlier, mm. with like, um, like e- even the most I think climatic moment of this movie 
feels like a rehash of which is the 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 Han Solo dying. Like I, I like that moment in its in and of itself, but I also can't help thinking how much this is so much intentionally uh evoking the Ben Kenobi death. And so therefore it's like I, I wanna stop thinking about that and I just wanna watch this story and I feel like every time that JJ Abram gets it right because this does feel like Star Wars, yeah. he's also doing a disservice to his own film. And so, therefore, I become of two minds of this film. It's not like I, I don't hate this or anything like that. I don't even strongly or even really dislike it. But I also can never truly buy into this new story uh, because I do – I feel like I've already seen everything in this movie before. I, now, I agree that this is way better than the prequels. I, I even would rewatch this before I'd rewatch Return of the Jedi. So this is a, a, a like a great Star Wars installment. However, I'm left wondering what the point of it is uh, – other than just to start a new uh, story, which if that's the case, like if, you know, uh, Ryan Johnson, if his second movie, you know, is like a, a completely new direction, so to speak, and we, we get a new story, then yeah, it'll have all been worth it. But as a as a film, uh, as a standalone experience, I, I don't know that... Cause, okay, the other thing actually that you brought up, Toussaint, that I... Uh, agree with but in a different sense is the sense of scale like that's what it gets right Mm -hmm. however that's less impressive in 2015 than it is in 1970 whatever a new hope came out because that's what i was actually kind of this this movie made me appreciate a new hope even more than i do originally you know because i don't love that movie you know but i like Mm it uh but i was like holy shit like this feels just like that movie and then i'm like but that means that they were able to do this back then like that kind of blew my mind that i'm like george lucas did create this sense of scale uh with the original uh trilogy that i'm like so so it's not like we, you know, need a, like, true facelift of a Star Wars series. So if you can't technically improve it, and you can't necessarily apparently tell a new story, because I don't think this did that, I, I, we get new characters for sure, that is, like, where what am I going to get out of this movie that I can't already get out of, like, at least the first two Star Wars movie made? Now, having said that, I do think that this is, like, a well-made movie. I, I do love... Uh, the best thing about this movie for me is the cast. Like, the, everybody, I think, is pretty much perfect in their role. Uh, from even, uh, uh, from, like, Adam Driver, like, I really liked him, actually, and I was surprised. Even though I like Adam Driver in real life, like, I like his role on Girls and some of the other stuff he's done. Yeah. I was, like, really, like, this, you know, like, what... But now, like, a- after having seen his character, I totally understand the casting because he both has that weird cis like appearance you know like mm-hmm. the, the pale ghost face whatever and yet he also he has that boyish face so he does look like a character who is both trapped between the you know coming out from under his paternal relationship with his parents mm-hmm. and yet also like being dragged to the dark side so i just 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 the physicality of his uh, facial expression, whatever, was just perfect for that role. Um, and everybody else as well, like John Boyega, I really enjoyed it. I wasn't even a big fan of Attack the Block that much, but I thought he was good in this, a very good, actually. He was one of my, consistently one of my favorite parts, because yeah. I loved how he's the only character, in a good way, that is like, 
totally not getting caught up to speed in a Star Wars movie. Like everybody else is taking things for at face value and like rolling with the punches. And he's the only one that seems like who has to like catch a breath every like five minutes because he just can't get it together, which I, I thought was great both for comedic, but you know, uh, fodder, but also just to like give it some gravity, you know, like that this isn't just like, even though they live, you know, with aliens and they, they've seen space battles, that doesn't mean that these things are easy, you know, or whatever. So, so those are, those are my general thoughts, which is that I hesitate to literally lean any in any direction because this is both a fantastic Star Wars movie and yet, like you said, Alex, it offers absolutely nothing new. So I don't know for someone who doesn't like Star Wars like myself what I would get out of it because I've, I've already seen this uh, for the most part. So those are my general thoughts. I will yeah. say in terms of the cast, the, the biggest disappointment for me is a really easy one to point out and that is... Oscar Isaac basically being sidelined in this film. When it opened, I was like, oh, yeah, like this is like he's going to be one of the three or something because he's the devilish rogue. Yeah, but he was like delivering like those lines with aplomb. I mean, when he was uh, when he was first captured and he was uh, saying like, you talk a major part of the first scene of the film. (laughs) And basically he is non-existent for the rest of it. Yes. And um, that's that's, a disappointment. I hope that means that he'll be back like they had to focus on, you know, like Han Solo or, or whatever. Um, you know, but uh, but yeah, I, I agree with that. Although, even let's take that one more step further. I'm so pissed off that they casted the two people from the raid. I, I feel like we already <laughs> talked about this, but I just have to say it again, which mm-hmm. is like you don't do that. Like, because it wasn't just they casted them. It's not like they just showed up and were like, oh. But like, this was a casting announcement. They were like, J.J. Abram eyes the two skilled fighters from the raid or whatever, and then like you have them in a scene in which you. Oh, I a, love the raid. Let's put them off as uh, as as total like knockoff characters. Why are right. why are they why are they not fighting I know, Finn just, and Ray at some point? It that makes no make sense, sense because I'm like, oh, there's two of them. There's there's two of them. You know, I'm like, this is gonna be great. Like, <laughs> even if it only lasts two minutes, because yeah, I totally get that hand to hand combat is not a typical Star Wars. Thing, but also, that's a that's one way we could have differentiated the new generation, so to speak. Um, but yeah, and then they they get eaten by the monsters, so it really like they brought them in for bait. Like, I don't understand like the mentality behind that casting because you're you're literally setting like this one of the few times where like the the whole pre hype thing completely. Uh, turn one of his aspects against it because I was just like, no, don't do that. Another thing that in terms of not necessarily the casting, but one of the characters that I was very much disappointed with was Captain Phasma, who is like the leader of the stormtroopers. Uh, the storm- that she was? I didn't really... That's her name, yeah. yeah. I just thought she was like a... She's like the head stormtrooper. Okay. Yeah. And I think for me, since the just the stormtroopers in general are pretty much my favorite characters in the entire Star Wars universe, which is kind of a silly thing to say because they're just mindless creatures, but they are the warriors that usually um, some of them have much have much more importance on the story than they let on to, whether it be when people dress as stormtroopers like they do in New Hope or when a stormtrooper rises up from just being another mindless uh, warrior. Okay. Can we just make note of the new amended origin of stormtroopers in this film? Because I feel like that's... that They're not the same stormtroopers. They're not the the same stormtroopers because these apparently... Um, there, there's a lot of backstory that we don't know about that's obviously going to be fleshed out in the eventual Disney EU. Um, but apparently these stormtroopers are not based on clones. They are actually like... Snatched tro- from families. Snatched or- from families and, and basically given a... a 
serial number. Yeah, like a serial number, and they're put into like a military school where they must serve the uh, the the new empire. That yeah, some sort of the, the I, I'm totally fine with how it plays out, but like some of the dialogue, and I'm not like trying to get nitpicky, but there are a few moments when like the the, the film started to shoot itself in its own foot because like with a blaster. <laughs> but when one of the characters, I think it's after uh, Finn has escaped and, you know, whatever, like, they, they're like, let's check his file or whatever. And then they, they're like, oh, he's never had a previous, uh, like, problem before. I'm like, would that, like, I don't know, like, what the point of that kind of conversation was yeah. because it was a weird, like, they, like, they thought that, like, are these robots or, like, you know, like, if these are just humans, then, like, why is this something we need to investigate? Like, he already did those bad things, so go get it. I don't know. There was, that's where I feel like it had an identity crisis on what stormtroopers are. Are they brainwashed or are they... Psychological conditioning, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it was just weird because I was also surprised to find out that it was his first battle, too. Like, mm-hmm. he was, like, he went through all of it, but then, like... It's just, like, that's what we're dropped into. Like, I figured, like, it was going to be something more along the lines of, like, he had been doing it, and then he got fed up with it because he couldn't live with himself. But this was, uh, it was just such a weird introduction to the character. What about the the bloody handprint on his uh, on his helmet? That's another thing that I felt was very transparent because it's supposed to set him apart from the rest of the stormtroopers. And it's supposed to show how, like, shaken he is by the actual, like, reality of battle. Well, that and also, before you even get to see him, it's also, I think, supposed to, like, indicate that these are human beings underneath. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at what point did we see stormtroopers bleeding in the I don't think we see any of bleed, really, in general. But, yeah, we definitely never even get a sense of, like, a stormtrooper, like, having a real body. They get hit with the laser and they're done. Um, Yeah. So, um, going... Back to uh, Han Solo's death, which I read completely differently than you guys. Mm. So and you're saying you? I just want to know, like you, you don't see that as like a? Did you? Obviously, there since he is killed via lightsaber, and it is a, it is similar in that way because he does die at a lightsaber, um, at the hands of a lightsaber. That is. Uh, however, it was a much different scene for me than the uh, scene involving Obi Wan Kenobi as as. The Obi-Wan Kenobi death scene is him basically giving up and allowing the Force to to take him and, and go away from being a human or whatever you want to call it. And even if Han Solo is somewhat doing that and mm-hmm. he's somewhat kind of giving up and, and knowing that, I think he still has a glimmer of hope of that and... It has pretty much taken See, away. I don't think from he Kylo does Ren. have hope. I think it was for me personally. It was more of like I don't like. I just want to make sure that this is who you really are. Because if it is, I don't really want to live with myself. And yeah. I, I, I get that. And I, I yeah. again, I don't really know how to read it because I'm, I'm kind of on two different sides of what actually happened during the the scene with him and uh, Kylo Ren holding the lightsaber at the same time. However, I will say it is very much different and a, a very much different than anything that I remember in any well, of the other Star Wars, simply because he is not a Jedi. He is not someone who participates in the Force. He is an outsider looking in who has now been murdered by his own child, who is a member of the Force or right. a, the Sith or whatever you want to call it. And it was a very, uh, a much more cold-hearted and uh, probably the worst thing that anyone's ever done in the Star Wars series um, and it was it was very touching for me at least. Right. You However, were saying this coming off of the uh, the yeah. fact that they used the Star Killer base in order to kill five planets simultaneously. <laughs> right. However, but the worst personal thing to have yeah. happened like between two people, like right, like actual characters. I mean, if you really think about it, 
who do we see Darth Vader kill that's of significance in the original films? Uh, I am nobody, I don't think. Well, um, right. He but kills the Emperor. Uh, oh, yeah. Which but... is his movement back no. to... Yeah, that was really a really bad addition. No. Thanks. <laughs> Again, thank you, George. Yeah. Um, but we, we we never really see Darth Vader, who is one of the greatest villains in film history, and I think Nick, even you would somewhat agree with that. Yeah. Um, we never see him having a extremely significant kill that has an impactful, uh, an impactful part of his future. Which now Kylo Ren well, has done that. I, I'll say that what you're saying is true. However, the other reason why Han Solo's moment was a little also. I would say diluted from mm. my perspective is that it also had echoes of Luke, I am your father, not because it was another revelation, but because here we are again with uh father son conflicts. And at least in empire strike. Now I'm not saying he obviously doesn't kill him, his, you know, Luke or whatever, but he still has the same, I would say like, uh, uh I don't know, anger and temper. Yeah. He just doesn't get away with it. He, he cuts off his own son's hand and Luke essentially just falls to, what looks like almost to his death, but doesn't, you know, he gets to fly down the little tube because <laughs> that's a thing. But once again, like there's too many times in this movie where I'm reminded of the other movie because, and in a way that I don't think was necessary. I'll concede with you on this, Alex, about the interpretation of like Ben Kenobi's death at, uh, at Darth Vader's hand. Okay. It is very, very different in, in a lot of ways, but I still think that they're, pretty much parallel to one another in that in the scene when when kenobi like looks over at luke and then he looks at darth vader and he puts his sword up as kind of like a like a yielding to the fact that he's going to die i think that the way that at least when i interpreted interpreted that 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 scene was that he realized that he could do more good as kind of like a proxy of the force than he could being being alive but again that this and i've mentioned this twice now and i it's not that i want to keep beating a dead horse but han solo does not become part of the force i know he he dies but he's still but he still resigns himself to the fact he is totally he is closing the gap between this person that he knows wants to kill him he knows that his. I'm. I'm pretty damn sure he knows his son. I mean, wants symbolically, to kill him. him to walk out on the catwalk means that he's surrendering. Yeah. For me, like that's what that. But he, like, he's appealing to his thing. son' basic humanity. He will, it, unless this film and this film series breaks its own rules, which would not be out of the realm of possibility to do. But I want to believe that it won't. There, there is no more. There is not going to be Ben Kenobi returning to help other people with Han Solo. He is sure. now dead, and that is it. And I Kylo Ren you. forever will not be able to make peace with it. He just murdered his father, and that's going to be that. And there, there is no more going back for him. Oh yeah, it, maybe, maybe there will be some sort of of thing like that. I'm, but he is now m- more evil than Darth Vader ever was, in well, my opinion. I, I guess. Mm. Uh, one thing I want to point out is I don't think me or Tucson are trying to argue the idea that that the this the same emotions are at play between yeah. Kylo Ren and Darth Vader and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Han Solo is not coming back unless it's going to be in a uh, a flashback or something like right. that. Yeah. All I'm at least arguing is simply that like the scene window dresses too much to give nostalgia to work with nostalgia from the first film in, in too cute of a way for me to fully like get lost in the moment. I'm so conscious of the framing of this scene mm-hmm. and how it harkens back to the original Star Wars that exactly. I'm, I'm not getting into the new Star Wars. And t- just to point out, and I would even, I don't think 
think this if this film didn't do it almost every other major plot point. The, the, the Death Star is recreated here. We now have a bigger one, and it's called the Star Killer. Not only that, but it's the same thing as far as you have to kill it by getting to a little point and blowing it up from the inside. And not only that, but it's a movie that starts off with somebody on a sand planet who's a scrappy young person who's about to meet their mentor and get taken off. And not only that, but then there is also a rescue on the Imperial, uh, you know, and not only that. And I could go on and on. And I don't mean to say that this means that the movie is awful, but... When you put all these pieces together, it it just makes me so self conscious of that fact, and then I can't enjoy, uh, you know what what it's giving me because I can't stop thinking about that it's doing that. Thank well, you, Nick. Yeah. yeah. No, I, so I'm just saying I, this. I, yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. As I as yeah. I said, one of the first things I said is this is yeah. not really doing anything new. Uh, it does a couple things that I, I including the Han Solo death scene, which I thought were very much. Uh, me personally, too, I was not even thinking about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi during that whole scene. No. Not once. So um, what, I, what I will say is, is I think something that may come up in the, in the future films. In fact, I, I don't, I don't want to like bet on saying it will, but I think it's where this series is going. Um, and that is that the Force is not, it is not as cut and dry as we originally have thought in the original films where there is the dark side and there is, there is the Jedi and they are separated and they are separate entities and you can only pick one or the other. And I think that is why Luke has secluded himself and why um, Kylo Ren is now who he is. Luke's beard was peppery. It was both white and black. Well, <laughs> okay. I, I, th- I, I, th- I think Luke now is... Is old. It's a little messed he, up. He's old, and I think he has um, dabbled with the dark side, but has not become a Sith. He is not either a Jedi. He is just involved in the Force, and I think that is a going to be something going forward that is going to separate this from the other films. Is that it is going to have a much more gray area between what is good and what is evil. He's more involved in, in the totalitarian. Uh, in the totality of what the Force is. When we see Luke Skywalker, he looks like a tortured soul to me at the yeah, end of this he does. film. He has given up on having a glove on his hand. His his um his his fake hand is just out there. He he looks It's even more more like I don't I don't know what the word for it is, dilapidated than what we saw in the flashback. Like it looks right. like it's even more stripped down than it used and to be. He looks like a cursed person. He looks like Captain Barbosa does in, yeah. in the parts of the Caribbean. He and he looks like he's lived a hard life since mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. I and, agree yeah. that, that 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 scene essentially starts a new story. However, it's it also means for me that means that we had to sit through the story we've already seen to get to something that I do think is genuinely interesting, but also something that I can't even really start to comprehend because I, I, I need those gaps filled in. But so. I, 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 and that's why I, I feel like even though this film doesn't do anything new, I think this was a, obviously a vital film for the series because I think it's important in the series moving on to something different. And yeah. I do concede to the idea that like, if I go see, which I will go see, cause I, I, I like this movie. And that's the other thing is that I, I feel like I'm being more harsh than I intend, mm-hmm. but I also feel these feelings very strongly. So. Yeah. Um, but like if we move forward and Ryan Johnson's second movie truly is like 
the, the like I would say the the new departure from the franchise, so to speak, and we're gonna tell new stories, then I will appreciate this in hindsight and retrospect as the passing of the baton, so to speak, from the old to the new generation. Uh, but unfortunately, this movie did not convince me enough to like basically like say, "Give me my here's my money, Ryan Johnson," because <laughs> it, you know it it. it it's basically fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool, fool me twice, shame on me. So, therefore, like I'm, I'm totally willing to give it another chance because I did have fun with this movie, but I'm already weary of being burned out, uh, so to speak. And I can see that. So, it, it's just it's such a. I think this movie is such a uh, tug of war between. I think between trying to set up a new chapter and finishing off an old one, and I feel like. Um, like when they're separated, like from scene to scene, it works. But when they bleed into each other, uh, they they start to you know uh, dilute each other, so to speak. Um, yeah, I I I agree, and I I think that's the, the thing about this film is that I feel like this is a hard film to have an opinion on until you see the rest of them. I I mean, I feel like right. I feel like this is not. That it's comparing it at all because it, you you can't compare this to it. But if you watch a, a really good television show and you really enjoy the first three episodes of the season, but you can't really have an opinion on them until you see the rest of it play out. I feel like, unfortunately, for this film, that that this kind of falls into that. That I feel like this could end up looking back on it be a really good film that could have a lot of things hidden in it that we don't even really know about that is going to play out in the later films. Did you see Jar Jar's corpse in, in the sands of Jakku? Was it there? No, I'm just I'm say, just joking. What? Like there was a joke before no. the film came out that JJ wanted to do that just to put one last put knife, knife into his chest. Yeah. How about that great photo with JJ Abrams and George Lucas at the premiere? Wasn't that amazing? Oh my that god, that, that was, was good. Uh, with 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 JJ uh, like trying to say, "Hey, look, it's George," and George being like, "I don't fucking want any pictures." Get the fuck away from me! Yeah. And 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 you just you you can see that JJ Abrams is loving every second of that, not because he doesn't like George. Lucas, because I'm sure they are on good terms, whatever. But it is like the perfect analysis of what a lot of Star Wars fans have yeah. with George Lucas of why are you such a crotchety dick and why can't you just make what, Star Wars well, fun? It's such a hate love hate relationship yeah. because like any Star Wars fans both has to bow down to him for creating this monster. Uh, but, yeah, that that they love and yet that also like want to strangle him for every wrong decision he makes. But but here here's the thing about bowing down to George Lucas, like I I've kind of alluded to this story before not in this episode maybe like out in like other conversations but people a lot of people don't know about the original cut of star wars and that it was total fucking garbage and the reason why the original the 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 cut of a new hope that we know now is as good as it is is owed to george lucas's wife at that time who was also his editor like she is like like to paraphrase from a lesser Matrix film, if George Lucas is the father of Star Wars, then she is most definitely the mother because she's the one who actually like delivered the thing and made sure that it actually like became the film that we know it to be. Right. Well, I mean, even just outside of that film, we we quickly all I think as a culture caught on to the fact that George Lucas <laughs> is only good for certain things, which is coming up with this universe. But the, the minute he passed the reins to like Lawrence Kasdan and whatnot. Uh, 
it became a much more solid, I think, cinematic experience, like mm-hmm. from all around, you know, perspective and like what he had to offer totally works when it's the first film because you're going to expect exposition. You're going to expect like, like an overwhelming uh, sensory experience. But like if he had kept directing uh, all three of them, it, they w- it would have been as, I think, as dire as like the prequel. Like, yeah, I can see that. Because he just would have kept trying to top himself, which is essentially what the prequels are trying to do. Is like, well, it's, it's been so many years, so therefore we need to like go big or go home. And I heard a story about how that came to be, which was that he had written, I don't know if it was all three scripts or just The Phantom Menace, but he shopped it around to all of his filmmaker friends like Ron Howard and whatnot. Um, and essentially said, you got to direct this or will you direct it? And he, I think he asked somebody else that's famous and I'm forgetting now. And they all said, no. Oh, George, you got to do it, bud. Which is like your friends basically seeing how drunk you are and saying, no, you're fine to drive, man. You got this. We're, we're going we're to let you keep your name on this one. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's so cool. Like they let him do it, like, but they also didn't want to tell him that he shouldn't. Yeah, that's that's real cool, yeah. man. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, uh, I don't know if there's necessarily another way it could have been done because I feel like George Lucas had this this idea that he was going to to do it this way and everyone's like you know what man we we someone tried to tell him and they got fucking killed by some hitman so let him do it and here it is i want to talk about one scene involving uh the star killer base and the, the first order the first order assembly when uh general hux is giving his like giant impassioned speech where grand morph talking by the way yeah that's pretty much who dom hall gleason is the new, the the next generation uh He's still alive? Tarkin. No, Tarkin's dead. Tarkin's dead as fuck, dude. Yeah, he was right, killed he on the first Death Star. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking Dom Hall Gleason's character. I believe so. Okay. No, but at least they is Rilo Ken still alive? Rilo. They Kylo, make a, Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren, whatever. Yeah, he's yeah. still alive. Yeah. He is still alive. I, Even though he was on the planet, but like, how do you get he, well, The he, scene with Snoke yeah. where he's just like, you need to get Kylo Ren and you need to, to meet with me. I was just like, yeah, that's... They're, they're they're probably going to show up in the next film. Yeah. But when he's giving his huge speech about like, oh, look at our fucking huge big dick like Star Killer base laser weapon that's going to kill multiple planets, and then he's just he's so red in the face. And then as soon as he's done, everybody gives like their stormtrooper salute, and they just like put their hands like their 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 left hand into the into the air. And I immediately thought of like the line from Big Lebowski where it's just like, are these Nazis, Walter? I. I think these might be Nazis, Donnie. <laughs> it's like they're really playing up the whole Nazi Germany like iconography with this scene. Uh, one thing I absolutely uh, loved about this, and this goes back to why stormtroopers are pretty much my favorite character in the entire series. Their talents are cool as fuck now. Well, they are, and even though I still absolutely love the original stormtrooper outfit yeah. and helmet, uh, I really like this one as well. Um, the stormtroopers have way more personality than anyone gives them credit for as they're not just clones who walk around. Uh, we see it in the, in the earlier films, the original episodes four five and six, where they are having conversations in the background. And in this film, they're given even more personality and it is delightful. Uh, especially in the two instances where, um, one of these stormtroopers has their mind taken by, uh, Ray and he's kind of walking away after he lets her off, uh, lets her out of the, the shackles. 
and uh, she pretty much says, is, oh, drop your blaster. And he's walking and saying, hey. dropping the blaster. And I'm going to drop my blaster. And he just drops it and continues walking in a straight line. But my favorite moment, and I, I saw it coming, and I'm like, oh, they got to pay this off, is when Kylo Ren is like going crazy like which a child. A second and, freak out. Yeah. I know. Which yeah. is, and he's obviously still in the very early stages of being a Sith, or he's not even probably a Sith Lord yet, or whatever you want to call him. control his anger. Right. Uh, and he is just like crazily slamming his lightsaber down onto uh, the whatever you want to call. Yes. And you see the two stormtroopers walking up and then they stop, look at each other and turn around and walk back. And man, that was perfectly done. And I love it. was finally the Star Wars movies were acknowledging how horrible it would be to have like Darth Vader the boss. <laughs> Like that's because that's essentially their employees, so to speak, you know. And so I just, yeah, no, I appreciated that scene as well. And, oh, what uh, happened to Larry? Yeah, he happened to uh, walk in on Vader on a really bad day and end up getting force choked and then compressed into a tiny ball and then thrown into an air chute. Ah, yeah. oh, fuck, what, man. Was there any, I would say, callbacks that didn't work for you or you? One for me that I thought was ridiculous and stupid, which was unfortunately, but uh, the callback to the garbage chute because it was so winky mm-hmm. when he's like, do where should we put her? It's like, does it have a garbage chute? Yeah. Like, yes. I'm like, really? Like, I don't, only because it's like, it's, it, that just went out of its way. There, to... there were a couple things in, in this film that I absolutely loved, and they both involved Han Solo and yeah. the Millennium Falcon. Uh, these, these were small callbacks that were so great. Um, the, the one being the the sort of chess game that is involved there that yeah. turns on mm-hmm. and just it was randomly there. It's the and actual it, claymation. And it looks yeah. the exact same. And I think that was what was great is that the Millennium Falcon has not changed at all. It's the exact same ship. It even has that same shitty old game that's still the, the way it was when mm-hmm. Luke was on there traveling there. And I, I think uh, something that I absolutely loved is uh, – I, I don't want to say it was a criticism, but people made note that Chewbacca never uses his weapon at any point during the original series, as he's just always carrying it and never fires it. Yeah. And they make mention of it twice that, oh, that's what this does. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that. This was, weapon is cool as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it was those little small callbacks that if you're not paying attention to exactly. it, you wouldn't even notice, but they paid off so nicely and they were not hammered over. They, I were, agree. they happened and then they were done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with those and, and even a few other callbacks that I can, like, now I'm kind of forgetting, but like that was why the, the garbage who was the only one that really stood out to me as like, now they're, they're really reaching here because yeah. it just felt so inorganic. Well, um, and, and that was the thing too with, with Captain Phasma, as I, I mentioned, I, I, I expected there to be a garbage shoot scene. Well, and I, I love the stormtroopers, and she's Not supposed again. to be like the, the lead stormtrooper. And we get almost nothing with her other than her awkward, where she's telling, uh, she's telling um, Finn Finn to put his his helmet back on, which was just bizarre. And and then we really yeah, I don't understand get, that. Like, yeah. like isn't that your first warning sign? <laughs> because yeah. they don't seem to ever hey, do that. You have your helmet off. What's happening? Is <laughs> do we have to have a ch- talk? What the fuck? Um, but then we have that like weird ending where we don't really know if she's still alive or if she's dead. Like they have her cape then for some reason. So I don't. Yeah, they never. They literally don't show you what they did with no. her. They save a joke about the garbage chute, but I doubt that that's what they actually did. And that that was part of the film that for me was was disappointing, and it really um, was not done that well. And. I, I know that that character is going to be returning, so yeah. it's still they, she is still alive. But 
I, I, I wanted more and just like with Oscar Isaac, did not get it and didn't get anything close to what I was expecting. We haven't talked about it yet, so I'll throw it out there. Okay. Um, what about the use of Princess Leia? Or should I say General, General Leia? Leia. Thank and you, her, her last name is not Solo. It is Organa. Yeah, that's so. right. Uh, also, really quick before we even say like the use of her, like we, we had no idea that they would have a child together, right? Like It's not like that's ever even really... I mean, no. yeah, they, yeah, they flirt and stuff, but it's not like they... I can't remember, but they never consummated the relationship. No, in the, in, in the okay. but it but, makes sense. That, no, no, I just wanted to make yeah. sure like this. This isn't really a callback so much as just an evolution. Of mm-hmm. the yeah, okay. It, I mean, that was always implied in like the the now moot like original extended universe that they were always going to end up together and they're going to have a family together in some way. But it's nice to see that it actually comes apparent in this new like continuity. You know who also became apparent. <laughs> Han Solo and Leia. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, uh, Leia is an, is a interesting character here because again she is sidelined like other characters were, um, and I obviously intentionally. And yeah, I I guess there just wasn't really that much for her to to do here, and I think Carrie Fisher wanted to be in this film because they asked her to and probably offered her lots of monies, mm-hmm. uh, but she really was not going to be a main player in here and she's never going to be a main player in this Do you think she's going to reappear though? She may. Definitely. Okay. I was just I curious. Because so. yeah. I, um, I think it's clear once you've seen the movie that Han Solo, of course, gets a lot of screen time because it's his final chapter. So there's no more time after this movie to tell mm. his story. Well, and I think we're we're led to believe that Luke Skywalker will be a main character in the second film. Yeah. I would assume. What's our consensus about the very obvious dynamic between Finn and Ray? I think they have a very they're going to have a very tumultuous relationship going forward because uh I feel like there is an interesting kind of changing of the guard with them mm-hmm. where we are led to believe that perhaps um Perhaps Finn is going to be the the Jedi in training, and I think it's shown that unfortunately he's not going to be. He's he's always going to be just that warrior who is struggling because he doesn't want to be just a mindless warrior. He wants to be something more and wants to to help, but he is not a Jedi. He is much like Han Solo. It was weird when I for me when he turned on the lightsaber for the final battle. Now, of course, he doesn't end up finishing it, which I yeah. thought was a you know a nice little way to get past that but just the fact that he even tried it in the first place only because like he just doesn't feel like that kind of character so i hope for the sake of the series he never picks up another one not because he doesn't shouldn't be involved in combat but i uh i hope that that was like almost like a let's test drive this and then he learns from that that that's it was just... never meant for him right, right exactly yeah. and and i think that was a nice thing of the film is that yeah. it is it is almost it doesn't try to trick you but it's it's kind of showing you that you're not really sure what he is going to be and i really still don't think we really do because i don't think he knows what he's going to be at this point no and that's why he's the one i'm most interested in going forward even if he wasn't the most developed but only and that's probably because unlike something on the extreme side of it like luke who was barely in this movie so it's like i'm of course somewhat interested in what's going to happen with luke but that's because i got nothing like he was in this movie a lot and yet there was also very little given about his background but yet a lot teased about it like for ray it was pretty much just that she had a she was trying to return home, but she never really gave a reason, which, okay. She will be the main character of this trilogy. No, no, I agree yeah. with that. But I'm saying as far as learning the backstory, like, I feel like they kept alluding to more of, 
I would say, Finn's history, because he kept bringing things up, but then just, like, not actually addressing them, like, as far as, like, what he did while he was a stormtrooper, and I don't know, it just felt like there's, like, there's a whole backstory to tap into there, and even if he won't be the main character, he's going to be a main player, yes. uh, so to, so I hope we get to learn a little more about, even though Star Wars doesn't really do flashbacks, uh, I, at least, like, you know, monologues or something. At least the precedent of flashbacks has not been, yeah. like, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm interested to see what his character is going to be and what his relationship with Ray is going to be because I, I think we got a really nice setup for what they are what is going to happen with them going forward because yeah sure there may be a romantic relationship in the offing there I don't know for yeah. sure I hope not I but you don't really know this didn't really sway one way or the other towards whether it will be I would or say swayed for me it was leading toward uh, I would say a, a f- friendship because yeah. especially because of the final moment is of course her rescuing him or whatever and then just her like kissing him on the forehead it just felt very unromantic and more of like a mutual respect mm-hmm. and, I, and graciousness can i talk about that when when she kisses him on the forehead i actually heard like some some audible like jeers or like some some other bullshit from the peanut gallery and i just wanted to i i didn't want to put this out there but i just want to say fuck those nerds who did that they're assholes so <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking a hardline stance on that, and I don't use nerd as a pejorative usually. But like, if you're gonna be a fucking like like prototypical asshole nerd, then you're fucking nerd that way. Sorry. Yeah, I I I'm just uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with him, and I think that's that's something that's great is that we don't really know what he's going to be going forward. We know he's going to be involved in the story, and we assume that he will be uh, good friends, and he'll be he'll fight alongside Poe Dameron, who I hope will be more involved in the second film, and he's going to be involved whether it's just friendship or in a relationship or as a that's another thing. He maybe he will be underneath like. Um, Ray will be like a commanding officer in the new Republic or something or with the Jedi and he'll to, he'll possibly struggle as he, he believes they be friends, but she is his commander or something. Who, who knows? I, I think that's the nice thing is that it, we were given introduction to them, but we're not given a, a hard stance of what these characters are. I will say one thing as a reaction to what you're saying is that I think that will be the downfall of this trilogy if done wrong, which is that unlike the original trilogy, because uh, I'm just not counting the prequels. <laughs> Unlike the original trilogy, Star Wars was written, conceived, and directed and released as a standalone sci-fi movie. I mean, that ending is quite definitive. Like, the good guys win, there's an award ceremony, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. Like, that's, like, that's the end of, not the chapter, but of that saga. Then, of course, two more movies were made, and I think what makes the franchise so timeless and so good, even if I don't fall head over heels in love with it is how well it was able to branch off of a very self-contained story uh and continue to like evolve that story so to speak when you were okay so if you're for me that's going to be why i might be even a little more harsher on the next two movies to come because disney knew and planned it out that there's going to be a trilogy so it's like if we're saying these same things about these characters like well i really think we're going to see that come to light in the third movie after the second movie like that's going to be much more of a crash and burn for me uh, and how i feel about this franchise as a whole and that's why that's the only reason why i expressed hesitation earlier is that i i'm totally on board with like yeah we're going to definitely he's going to maybe be a major player but i'm also like i feel like that's not the kind of feeling i want to leave from a film is that well we really have to wait till the next 
chapter to see how, like, well, why was this film doing that already? Um, so, so I guess I kind of reiterate a point I already made, but it's just as far as the future of the franchise worries me a little bit because of that very thing. Uh, we've talked about her, and we've, we've obviously mentioned her character uh, and actions that happen with her, but the main character of this story and we are led to believe will be the main character of this trilogy is the character of Ray played by Daisy Ridley. Uh, and there is definitely some unknowns with her, which are, I, I think really, really well done. Uh, and I, I think the, the theory is going to be that she is Luke Skywalker's daughter. I would assume, right? <laughs> everybody has sex with everybody. And no, I don't think that at all actually, because, okay. Hey, I guess I just don't have theories about Star Wars, but be like, I, <laughs> I'll I'll audibly laugh in the theater if that happens because that's one paternity test not taken too many in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just I can't do it because that's another the film saying look at me I'm doing the same trick again that it's I, all in the I will family. not be on board for it. Not only that, but I also don't as after being introduced I think wonderfully and being such a I would say strong independent female character i would hate for the film to try to tip his hat as like but she gets her power from luke like one thing that i was kind of blown away by this is that she's a different breed of a jedi than even luke even though they're on the same side luke really like had to work (laughs) to like become as powerful as i mean like they they showed so many different training montages and he like really sucked like she gets it pretty much the minute she comes which i actually thought was a good decision because i don't a i don't want to see her like learning how to use the force again because then we're just rehashing scene we've already seen like the rest of the movie did and b and we'll see if this gets paid off and this i'm echoing what you're saying about other things but i think it might be an indication that she's going to essentially be or is already like the most powerful person in this battle and i would love to see that come to fruition there is one part of like the training of the jedi that i would like to see that was not actually in the original trilogy but was actually filmed as a part of return of the jedi where you actually see luke building his first own lightsaber not his father's lightsaber but he's building his green lightsaber right that's another thing. What the fuck happened to that green lightsaber? Um, he might still have it. He might still have we, it. We yeah. never see him do anything other than turn around and that, take That's his actually off. where the second movie is. Oh, no, I got one. I, <laughs> I would you keep that. love to see like Luke mentoring Rey in the building of her own lightsaber. That'd be cool. That would be a nice. Yeah. What, what, what I was going to about Luke being her father, and that, that, that makes too much sense Rey. for me to not be... I am your father. See, that's what I mean. Like, it's well, that'd be one rehash too many. I am Ray Skywalker, a Jedi like my father before me. Um, what 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 I what I'm saying about about that is that that um, Luke being her father obviously makes sense for this. And I th- I feel like that will be an opinion that a lot of people will have, not just me. Um, and and it, it makes sense. And I don't really know if I want it to be like that or not. And I, I think it would make sense because it would be very important character building for Luke more than it would be for Ray. Because, but if this is the new generation story, should that be the focus? No, okay. I'm not saying that that specifically should be. But I think the the idea of Luke not being necessarily a good person would be important for that, as he possibly could be involved with almost abandoning her at some point if he was in fact is in fact her father, and that goes more to what my possible theory is of Luke being more of a member of the force, not of the dark or of the, the good side. 
I will say one thing that I'm just not, I just didn't pick up at all that both of you have touched on is the idea that Luke is some kind of like, he he looked like a weathered soul, but I not, in no way got any whatsoever feeling that he's in a battle between dark and evil. Like okay. I thought the idea was that he banished himself because one of his own pupils turned against him. So he basically, he's like, shit, I made the same mistake. Uh, or I created my father, and yeah. you know, like that's all I really got out of that. Both his story before he got introduced, and then of course that scene, which is just kind of like, do I try again? It's more just like I just thought his hopelessness was gone. Not only, but not did that he, he turned evil. Not only did he create his father, he failed his family. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought it was more like disappointment and like, oh, I don't want to go back. It could be. I I I'm of the belief, and I'm gonna stand stand pretty much with it until my theory has been disproved, which is going to take a while that he is much more involved with the other side of the force than people would like to believe. And I feel like that is going to be what sets this series apart is that the dark and the, the good side of the force communicate a lot more with each other than everybody would like to make it seem in the original films. But that is that is a theory and an opinion of mine, and it's totally independent of what this film is trying to do, which is is fine. And this is we fit on a lot of really good stuff with this film. I feel like uh, I'm surprised that we've gotten as much out of this as we just watched this movie two hours ago. Oh yeah, yeah. no, and, I, and I'm still even trying to process whether. I like the fact that it is Star Wars, or I dislike the fact that it's Star Wars. And I don't mean that as like some kind of pejorative that Star Wars is bad, mm-hmm. but like how much mileage do I give it for both? If it does entertain me, because like you said, I belly laughed at the jokes, and I will admit on a moment by moment basis. So like when I watch Han Solo get killed by his son, like it's not like I'm watching like, oh, well, this is stupid. It looked just like Ben Kenobi's death, which it doesn't look just like. But you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. like I got you. I, I still I'm not felt thinking it. that like immediately or something. I am like, oh shit, like that's sad. You know, like I'm, I'm getting into it or whatever. Um, it's just kind of like I, I only have those thoughts on the fringes of those scenes. So it's like on a moment by moment basis, it definitely works for me but uh yeah i I think i forgot where i was going with that but i (laughs) I was gonna say i think we brought up a lot of interesting stuff and and that i'm still like even right now trying to figure out how i feel about that dictonomy this is what happens we when we are allowed to talk about spoilers we actually have a fruitful conversation about the yes and and and, uh it was it was a a lot of fun to sit down and talk about i think that is another thing that I, I want to say that I, I went out of my way to do with this film and I feel like was very important for me in my opinions of this film is not having any preconceived notions of what this was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like if I had read some something talking about Han Solo's death, like that that would have just taken taken the air out of the balloon for me if I would have known about that beforehand. Not necessarily because it would have it would have made the film different or it would have because I, I will go on record of saying that I've pretty much said for the last year and a half that that was going to happen in this yeah. film. And I'm not like trying to pat myself on the back, but it seemed like an obvious choice for me yeah. that he would be the one to go yeah. and go. He does. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say that I feel like going into this film completely fresh and, and getting to generate my own opinion of something that I wanted to see very much wanted to see. I feel like I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to pull that off. And I hope other people who want to do the same thing are able to stay away from all the garbage on the internet that is 
assuredly going to be coming up at some point. Yeah, if you haven't seen it and you listen to this episode, I hope you're able to go into oh boy. it fresh. Hey, we tried. Uh, we, we've tried. No, we did. We, we made a really strong effort. I have to say, I took the opposite route as you because I'm a person who does not care about spoilers, and I don't mean to say that as some kind of, like, I'm not bragging or anything like yeah. that. I'm just saying, like, you can ruin any movie for me, and I don't get upset and you didn't seek them out but you didn't avoid them either not to mention like if you do ruin a movie or something like that i don't think of it ruining usually that only makes me want to see something more like if you tell me what the twist is i'm like oh i should sit down and watch that which is like the opposite reaction that most people have Mm. um but one thing i did is i did seek out reviews not spoilers i wasn't like script leaks or whatever but i read about 20 reviews and i will say I was pretty amazed that I feel like I got absolutely nothing from any of those like I, a dozen reviews. Like, because this is not the movie that like like they described as far as like um, they just did not touch on any plot points. So, uh, if you saw a spoiler, it's most likely that you were looking at a you know an internet forum that you probably shouldn't have looked at yeah, because you most of the professional channels actually kept it professional. And uh, I, I guess we should mention is I have not had a chance because I mentioned I tried to stay away from anything that said anything about this film but I did uh, look and see a lot of scores of reviewers and it seems like uh, an opinion of critics is that for the most part this was not a bad film no no it it getting overwhelmingly it was a positive review I know on uh, except for four critics well I know on Rotten Tomatoes it has a very high rating and pretty much critical acclaim rating at this point so But Rotten Tomatoes is also hard to gauge. I know. It simply means, did somebody like this more than, like, 50%? Yeah. Maybe, you know, which, I'm just saying it's, like, it's such a different thing to say that, like, 99% of people like this movie. That's, uh, so. I think yes. I think this film, if we, if we want to go into ratings, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. mind going first unless anybody else would like to take the floor first, as I know I've done lots of talking. No, go for it, it man. <laughs> uh, I think this film, at the end of the day, what this accomplishes is it completely serves its purpose for what it was trying to be, and it was done in a tasteful, well-made way, which is all I think we could have, could have hoped for for this film, is I, I, I still think this was never going to be the best of the trilogy this was never going to be a new hope it was not this trilogy or okay Okay. i think one of the next two films will be better than this one because i think this was taking a very difficult task of moving from a uh a series that was very much ingrained in the events of what happened in episodes four five and six and people have had those lived with those for the last 30 years and have wondered what happened with these characters as they went on. And this film had the task of taking those opinions that people have had and moving them into a new direction, whether it be moving old characters out, moving new characters in, having to have a transitional period from the old series into what the new Star Wars will be. Uh, and even though I don't think we really know what it's going to be, as we don't know what the next two films are going to be yet, I think what this film accomplishes is that it it in, involves the old and the new, and it does, I actually think, a really nice job involving them. There are things about this film that I didn't care for. Uh, characters were underutilized, especially Oscar Isaac, who I was more excited about than anybody for this film and he is basically sidelined and wasted and it's it's really a shame because I, I want to see more from him because he is my favorite working actor and he's on screen for like eight minutes in this film and Which, he's so good in the little he has as yeah. far as like 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 especially with that 
film opens and he's like the main character in the opening sequence and i'm like oh my god i could watch two hours of this yeah uh but so yeah i hope that that means that he will be coming we we get to back. see him fly a fucking tie fighter that happens and, and apparently that's how they keep the tie fighters yeah from flying out there is they have a rope pretty much that ties them to the ship <laughs> yeah i don't uh i don't know about that but it was it, hey it was something it's a charging port yeah. Yeah. Um, Left the USB at home. Yeah. This film was done very well, in my opinion, and it it really shows, I think, the blueprint of what a Star Wars film should be. Whether it be great, whether it be good, whether you not really care for it, this is this is what the prequels should have done, and this is what these films, I think, will be doing, and I I think. That this this new version of Star Wars is in the right hands now, and it is with a group of people that is going to bring at least this trilogy through, and it is going to create it in a way that people are going to, even if they don't like the characters or like the storylines, they will be able to enjoy watching all three films. So, uh, that being said, I thought this was a really good film, a solid entry into the series. Probably, I'm not, I have to see it again, probably my third favorite out of the seven. And I'm going to give this a four out of five, as uh, I really enjoyed it. And it's it's teetering on a, a really, really almost great film for me. But four out of five, four Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and let's move on to Jassat. Okay. So... I feel like I've already like laid all my I think I've already laid my heart bare about how I feel about this film but just kind of to, to reiterate it is like I think that this is a very good film this is a this is a this, this is to the the prototype of what a Star Wars film should be but it is not my film it's I don't think it's a, a great film and I think that more to the point of like how I have grown as a as an audience and not so much of what Star Wars is um it's definitely for a new generation, and I'm really excited for them and them being able to grow up with like a new trilogy, a good trilogy, and like other offshoot films and stuff like that. We'll we'll see how long this this Star Wars franchise goes before it like petters out if it eventually does. Phase three, <laughs> phase three Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I ov- overall I'm looking forward to the next film. I'm looking forward to seeing how these characters are going to grow. And I am spending all of my expectations. I was like, I just want to like, I want to see this new adventure. I want, I want the next film. If there's one thing that I want as an expectation of expectation of the next film is that I want the next film to have its own moments. I want to feel what I felt when I first saw a new hope. I don't want to feel a shadow of what I felt when I saw those films. So I'm going to give this film a three out of five. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I'm uh I'm pretty much going to somewhat echo what Tucson said. Although although that's like opening up a whole new conversation, but I, I will react to what you said because yeah. that's kinda of what I think, which is that I don't know but I would call this a film for a new generation so much as I would call this a film for the people who were disappointed by the prequels. <laughs> like you know, like yeah, it is this was like too. a do over. Yeah. Uh unfortunately it takes the concept of a do over a little too literally. Mm. What I like about J.J. Abrams is what he's doing here is that, like, he so nails what Star Wars is, but then he went one step further and also... Let's just make the first Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And also nails what Star Wars was, and, like, he there was a little too much focus on that. And I don't mean in the sense that, like, well, why is Han in this movie or anything like that, but it's just, like, 
two shadows kept overshadowing each other and which i've of course i've already said on here so in general like i i just come out feeling so ambivalent about this because it is so pure star wars so if that's your thing which of course it's a lot of people's thing and it as it should be like it's 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 well made for what it's doing and whatever then you're going to like this film like this, there's no way that i can't see like a star wars fan like fan coming out of this and saying, well, that was just not good. What the heck? Like, you know, it just doesn't recapture the magic. That's literally all this film tries to do is recapture the magic instead of employing its own. And for that reason, I give it a two and a half out of five because I, I just, I, I want to see the other two films, but mm. not so much in a, the same way you guys want to, but in like, I want to know, is this all for nothing or was this truly just the, the, the prologue, so to speak? And if it ends up being that, then I might be a little more gracious to this. And I also want to, you know, stress that the two and a half doesn't mean I hated it or anything like that. It means that there were times in this movie that I was enjoying what I was watching and I wanted to see more of it. It's just every other scene took me out of that experience. And uh, I hope that the second film can step out of that shadow. So it's two and a half out of five for me. And that's from somebody who doesn't like Star Wars. So that says something, I yeah, think. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Nick, I, I know that you don't really do rankings with the Star Wars films, but where would you rank this in the grand scheme of things? The same place you rank it, which is this is my third favorite Star Wars film. Okay. Uh, because I do like A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back better. Um, and I just want to say that, that that's so it sounds like I like I hate Star Wars. That's not really the case. It's just because I don't like Star Wars, I only want to see like one or two of them. So this is like the best out of the, you know, the outside of like what I think was the pinnacle of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But it once again didn't do something for me that the other the first two films didn't already do. To rank it alongside like A New Hope and Empire, who, which are two of, I think, the most championed, widespread championed like, installments in this series is not faint praise. Yeah, and I and like you know it's this is so much like a new hope for me that I feel like it should have been called a two hope because oh, it's... God. <laughs> <laughs> uh... yeah uh, I we talked about Kylo Ren uh, quite a bit but I I really enjoyed his character and I think he's a he's a nice villain and I I think that moment that I've mentioned multiple times with him and his father Han Solo really um, brings him into being a, a evil conflicted character going forward and it's what's going to make him a true villain in this series. And also too, I said it when the first trailer came out that there better be a purpose for those like shoot offs that are on his lightsaber. <laughs> and there was, yeah, because he's fighting with, uh, he's fighting with Finn. Uh, Finn and they are like stuck in between where their, their lightsabers are uh, caught in there, like trying to push on each other. And he gets a little bit on him and he sticks his little, little piece of the lightsaber and it goes through him and that's it for Boom. down he goes. And, yeah. Um, man, I love that there was a payoff for that. I'm glad it wasn't there to just Guillermo del Toro look cool and make everybody happy. Doesn't it look well, cool? I will, <laughs> I will say that there were shots in the trailer that I don't even think were used in nope. the movie. Like, for example, the the actual introduction of that lightsaber, he doesn't. Act, it's already on by the time you get to that scene, mm. um, which I actually thought was great. Like, or, I love the fact that they filmed scenes that are made for a trailer and are a little too show off for a movie like i i like that aspect and i think jj should keep doing that for whatever movies makes because I, I love the idea of like teasing an audience not showing them what they're going to be watching or the iconic shot from the trailer when poe dameron and finn are making their escape and there's that that laser shot and it sends that that one stormtrooper flying 
Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's not in the movie, but it's it's worth the trailer. Hey, there were lots of stormtroopers flying because of blasts in this film, so I will I will take it. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to uh, episode 44, uh, where we talked about Star Wars The Force Awakens. As always, if you have any opinions, which I'm sure uh, people listening to this podcast do, and they would like uh, us to, to hear what you said and maybe talk about it uh, on a future episode, send those along to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, find us, uh, as always, on our f- website, filmtankshow.com or on iTunes. And if you also want to get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we are on there at Film Tank Show. Coming up next week on episode 45, we're going to do uh, another top six episode. And Ooh, this is. Top uh, six Star Wars movies. Yeah, boy, that would just be just pushing right into it. <laughs> talked about it and now we can talk about everything except for attack of the clones number one attack of the clones (laughs) (laughs) no this is uh keeping uh keeping up with the season as uh it is the holiday season now as we're in uh late december we have decided to do an episode on our top six uh holiday media that was my uh impression Mm, that was good thank you we may be talking about the Muppets on that episode. Oh my god, Spoiler. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're going to uh, have that uh, coming up uh, next week. Hopefully get that out before uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So if you want to stay in the mood and listen to it, we'll have it there for you to do that. Uh, so if we look for that in episode 45, which is uh, coming up here in uh, just a few days. So from Nick Cheney to Sot Egan and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank. And may the force be with you. Oh, yeah. And may the force be with you. And also with you. Yes. Is that like a religion thing? That was weird. <laughs> Are you telling me the force is not a religion? Uh, it is. It is actually a practicing religion. It's even, even mentioned in, in The New Hope. Boom. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> we'll catch up with you next time here on Film Day. <laughs>